Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm interviewing Hayden Langemeyer. Hayden is a senior at the University of Arkansas studying communication with a minor in recreation and sports management. She's passionate about challenging culture that's second nature with the goal of producing a more authentic, selfless, and submitted generation of believers. Hayden comes from an incredible family. Some of you guys may have heard from her mom as she shared about forgiveness on episode one of the Journey Women podcast. So I asked Hayden to chat with us about family dynamics and her relationship with her parents and siblings. The goal of building and maintaining healthy relationships in our family is to point people to Jesus by the way that we love one another. I know some of you guys have broken families, and some of you have experienced really unhealthy family dynamics. That's exactly why I asked Hayden to share her experience with us today. While most of what we discuss is method-based, it's an invaluable opportunity for us to catch a glimpse of what it looks like to grow up in a home with the aim of glorifying God. I hope you guys walk away encouraged to build relationships with your close people, whether they're your biological family, adopted family, or your sisters and brothers in Christ. Hope you guys enjoy the show. So we have a lot of overlap from the good old KKG and the University of Arkansas, but our original roots were at Pine Cove, which is where a lot of people that I've been interviewing are from. There's just so many gems that come out of Pine Cove, including your mom, which she's one of the first releases of the show. And as I was talking with her... I just started thinking, man, it seems like you guys have a great relationship. And I feel like that's really rare for mothers and daughters. Mm. And you guys just went on a on a trip together, right? Yeah, we just went to Canada, Banff, Canada. It was incredible. Is that a normal thing for you guys to go on trips <laughs> together? <laughs> yeah, you know, just every couple of weeks. <laughs> no. So my mom once did, well, she did a like 21st birthday trip with my older brother, Austin. They went to Yellowstone. And so I've kind of been begging her (laughs) like you gonna keep doing that um and so for my 21st birthday uh she knew that I've been wanting to go to Banff for forever love to travel love the outdoors um and so we got to go which was so so fun really sweet time together and just you know time in nature and the the lakes were not uh unfrozen yet which was a huge bummer but it was beautiful and yeah, really, really sweet time. And so she likes to do different little things like that with each of her kids. Like we take a trip for our 13th birthday and we have like a little ceremony for our 16th or 18th or yeah, stuff like that. So, okay. So these are the types of things that I want to hear all about, because honestly, (laughs) I've been lurking on this situation ever since I worked at camp when you were 13. And I'm like, (laughs) what is going on with this family? Because you guys seem to have a really close relationship. Could you tell me a little bit about where your family's from and all of those things. Yeah. Let's see. We lived in Tyler my whole life. They lived in, my parents lived in Oklahoma for a little bit. I didn't know that. What part of Oklahoma? So yeah, they did K-Life in Bartlesville for a while. Okay. And then moved down to Pine Cove because they met at Canacuck, which then led into K-Life, then led into Pine Cove. So camping, camping, camping. Whoop. Yeah. I think my, my dad came from a small family, just had one sister, but, um, his parents were like definitely church going people growing up, but I don't know how much, how like strong of believers until like the last maybe 10 or 15 years, but just very hard workers and both came from the farm. And then my mom grew up in like a really tumultuous environment. I don't know how much she talked about it. Yeah. She shared her whole story. If you guys want to listen, it's the first episode actually of the podcast. She 
shared a lot about her relationship with her father. So that's kind of the the backstory of what she came from. So very starkly different. And so I think we we're actually kind of talking about this a little bit last night. They never exactly had like one family or one couple that they wanted to model things after, hmm. but that they kind of picked and chose. I don't know if that's the right verbiage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pick and choose from um, several different families on various things. But I think in that it was it was cool to hear them say that because um, my mom coming from such a tumultuous environment and my dad coming from one that was primarily focused on work and they just really created something totally new. And so they weren't limited by the examples that they saw, but really like, you know, set their own standards and um, shot to create, you know, through trial and error, really just the best environment that they could. And they really wanted family to be at the core of that and togetherness, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like they achieved it? Oh, I really do. I really do. I've learned a lot about having to be okay with certain things growing apart. Like even in, as Avery and Austin and I are all out of the home and getting close to being all out of college, Austin's 24 and Avery is 20. And Avery and I lived together this past year, which was so fun in the Kappa house. You guys are the cutest. I love your friendship. <laughs> you're truly friends, right? You're 21 and she's 20 and you're you guys are friends. Yeah, best friends. It's awesome. But I also think coming from such a close environment, it's been good for me to learn that we're all going to kind of, to small variations, take our own paths, you know? Yeah. When you grow up so close in such a close-knit family, it's hard to be okay with, you know, allowing each other to make your own decisions sometimes. Unless we forget them, talk about Noah and Beck. Oh my gosh, yeah. Noah and Beck then. Beck and I were just playing a card game together, but yeah, they are, let's see, I think 12 and 10. So you guys have five total. Five total. Yeah. Three boys, two girls range from 10 to 24 ish. I think that's it. (laughs) Yeah. It was super fun because let's see, my mom homeschooled each one of us for sixth grade. And so my sixth grade year, Beck and Noah were like young kiddos. Probably. I know Beck was a baby. He was so cute. Yeah. Those huge curls and so fun. But yeah, we honestly, like, I feel like I learned so much about mothering from that year you know yeah that's awesome which sounds weird but you know my mom just had us home as her right hand woman and yeah younger younger sibling relationships are unique because I always wonder are they going to grow up and feel like I wasn't really close to my sister she was just off at college or Mm. you know um which I guess time will tell but I really try to be purposeful you guys are so intentional with them it seems they're a blast they're they're really just truly fun to be with they're hilarious yeah that's so cool. Man, well, I know what you need to do in January when you're done with school. You just come out here and teach me everything you learned in that one year. Perfect. Because I'm pretty Perfect. sure you could probably parent better than me. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so you guys grew up and you were really, really close. I'm super excited to talk to you more about what it looked like for your family to cultivate that closeness of relationship. Could you kind of elaborate on what you were talking about where you're, you were saying your parents determine what your family culture was going to be like and I'd just love to hear it from your perspective like what did you as a child see them doing yeah that helped you guys to really become close with one another and also with your parents I think a couple things were one they in everything we did cultivated togetherness like whether it was discipline and we were all gonna do work together a lot of times for our discipline probably past the age of about, I don't know, maybe seven, 
um, instead of like spankings or timeout or, you know, grounding mm-hmm. or anything like that, we did work, um, around our house. It was, you have to work for 30 minutes and it was either cleaning the baseboards or, you know, pulling weeds or whatever oh, it was. Wow. I cannot wait for this stage. Oh yeah. You know, it's really, <laughs> it's good for the parents. <laughs> they were smart. They were smart. Took work off their hands and not to mention produced a harder work ethic in us. Um, and we would a lot of times do it together. Um, and so even if we were mad at each other, like say we were fighting in a circumstance and it was like, all right, you need to go do work. Did you have like a chart? Well, we had like a chore chart, but whenever we did work as discipline, there wasn't a chart of like what we would do. There was just always things to do that they would think of. They were the original Mama Ruth and Straw Boss. Seriously. No, I'm not <laughs> kidding. One week in, I think I was 12 years old, my mom put me, put us through a Baby Ruth week, my sister and I. Wow. What'd you do? I don't know why we did it. It definitely wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> they also, I mean, during the summers up at camp, there was a, you have to work to play. And so if you want to have privileges, you need to earn them. You need to go bus tables after a meal. You need to go serve in the kitchen, you know, different things like that. It was, they didn't want to cultivate a um, environment of entitlement. And so we would mm. just work together, whether in discipline or for the privilege of playing at camp, you know? Nice. And then I think also they really like taught us how to have relationships, not only through modeling it, but also just through verbal, just like through communicating how to communicate, which yeah. it's such a simple thing that we forget to do. Just communicating how to have conflict of, okay, you're mad at your sister. Like, what do we need to do? We need to approach her at a time of non-conflict. You need to prepare her heart, maybe say, hey, I would like to talk to you in, you know, a couple hours, prepare your heart. I have something to talk to you about, you know, whether you're confronting them or whatever it is. And just teaching us how to do conflict and how to encourage one another and just healthy communication styles that are super simple basics that we forget in some of our deepest relationships. Um, Dang, girl, we need to have you back on the show and you could just do a basic communication class <laughs> for all of us. Just got a little degree in that or close to. <laughs> so. Yeah, you sound like it, girl. You're rocking it. I'm like, ooh, taking notes over here so important we forget it it's so true and how else are we going to learn that I mean obviously you're going to be modeling it but just talking out loud to Hadley and Davey today and I was teaching them this is how we talk to God and Hadley goes why are you praying that's my (laughs) two and a half year old she goes why are you praying and I go because you know we can talk to God whenever we want he's all around us all the time and it just it hit me like I need to be praying out loud Mm. with these girls so much more frequently I have a tendency to be praying inwardly and not outwardly. And so to pray outwardly so that they're learning, oh, this is kind of what's going through mom's mind when she's not speaking type of thing. But the same thing that you're saying, just teaching them things that you may not naturally see the need for articulating. Oh, 100%. And I mean, I remember having friends over in, in high school or even in college, and my parents would sometimes just have open conflict in front of them. And not hide it. And they'd be like, whoa, like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. That's really the first time. How did it make you feel when your parents had conflict in front of you? It being something that was integrated from the beginning was, like, key. And also that, that they talked through it with us. And, like, it wouldn't be something where it was, like, long-standing, like, dad, you know, talks bad about mom to kids and vice versa. And, you know, it wasn't things like that. But it was just, like, small things. Or sometimes big things. I mean, sometimes we could predict their fights. Like after week three of camp every summer, there was a fight. It was like that, you know, one third of the way through the summer fight. Yeah. And then there was one two thirds of the way through the summer. 
But I just think that they would talk us through it and we would see them reconcile as well as fight. Right. And that's probably the most important part is seeing reconciliation happen along with healthy conflict happen. So what did healthy reconciliation look like for you when you saw it modeled with your parents and when you were doing it with your siblings? I'd say, first of all, healthy reconciliation looked like either owning your side of the problem or seeing both of my parents own their side of the problem. Yeah verbally, you know, and to just be like, you know, and one of them, I remember my parents teaching me like, always seek to be the first one to apologize. Oh, that's so hard. Oh my gosh. It is so hard. Especially when you're a kid. Did you do that when you were a kid? Um, I sought to, whether it was out of performance or genuine, a genuine humble heart. I don't know. I sought to. So that is so good. I'm writing that down. I got to get that going for Hads starting now. (laughs) It is, it is so good. And just for them to, you know, just the simple principle of like, it takes two people to fight, you know? And so there's always something you can find that is your, your fault. Um, and then I'm trying to think reconciliation also just looked like simple things like physical affection of hugging one another and just, um, encouraging and, and moving past and smiling and, you know, not holding it against one another, like genuinely reconciling. Yeah. Um, Was that hard? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I'm trying to think. I know early on my mom would also really push us to serve. And that was probably the hardest thing for me. Mm. Genuine reconciliation, you know, as I'm trying to, I don't know how far back, but eventually you just kind of start playing and you just forget about it, you know? Right. It's like, all right, let's move on. Your mom told me when we were talking, she said that she would have you guys hug. And I don't know if this is just Beck and Noah because you were one of the older kids. So maybe this wasn't part of the routine at that point. But she said she has Beck and Noah hug and say like... Three things we like about each other. Ooh, that's good. (laughs) She would make us do that hug and three (laughs) things we like about each other. Whoa, that is good. It was the hardest with Avery. And it has to be like good things, you know? Like I would be like, nice brown hair, nice (laughs) nose, nice ears. And it's like, nope, try again, girl. (laughs) I think I've definitely learned the most from my relationship with Avery. Oh, I can only imagine. How far apart are you guys? I know you said a year, but do you know how many months? Yeah, 14 months. Oh, my word. We joke that it's like a marriage. Yes. Really feel, I mean, just going through such hard times in high school and even this year, like as close of friends as we are, we like have gone through a really hard season over the past year, but it's, it's been so good as my parents have counseled us through and just like, been like, all right, well, this is when you have to learn. And even funny that we're like living in the same room of like, you have to learn to wake up, look over each other and choose to love one another every single day and, and choose to serve one another when you don't feel like it. And you know, not speak poorly about one another to your parents or your siblings or your best friends because we have a lot of the same best friends, you know? Wow. That is like a marriage. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. (laughs) That is going to be such great preparation for marriage. Totally. I think you go through seasons of indifference towards one another and for Avery and I in, in, in sisterhood of like knowing that our love is so deep, but sometimes just being so fed up with one another and... Even that that fighting in front of people, it's funny. All of our all of our friends say that they have definitely learned more about conflict from us, conflict, healthy conflict and resolution from us than like anyone else. Okay, I don't know if you'd feel comfortable with this, but I'm wanting you to share, if you're cool with it, a recent fight that you've had in front of your friends where you've gone, Ooh. you've walked through these stages, and then you come to reconciliation and restoration in your relationship, either with or without an audience. 
That's a good question. Let's see. The one that's coming to mind, I'm trying to think if I can remember the context of it, but so we were walking out of New Heights, which, you know, is a church in Fayetteville with some of our friends and Avery and I had talked about like something big that had happened over my weekend, but another one of my friends asked about it who like hadn't, you know, I hadn't updated her yet and Avery kind of rolled her eyes and was like, talk about it another time. Like I've already heard it. And I just shut down, you know, like emotionally, yeah. I was like, like totally defeated. And so I was like angry and we got in the car and in front of my friends, I like said something to kind of, you know, jab back at Avery or punish her or something. And then we were just kind of quiet. And of course our friends are a little bit like trying to make up Awkward. for it, like trying to crack a joke. Yeah. And so I turned around to Avery and I just said, Avery, it really hurt my feelings when you rolled your eyes at what I said, because what happened is a big deal and I really want my friends to know about it. It means a lot when they ask about it. And so I really felt like you shut me down. Yeah. And she was just like, Hayden, like, I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. Like kind of just bridging the communication gap. Right. When we got out of the car, we hugged, I guess, Carrie forcing us to hug. (laughs) That is a long-term, you know, reward. But um, Knee jerk reaction. (laughs) Seriously. That's like a short one, but yeah, I think a lot of times awesome. what it has to do with is just being like, it's, it's so often you made me feel this, <laughs> whether you meant to or not, this is how you made me feel. Something that my parents said all the time is we want people to understand us for our intentions, not for what the surface level and other people take it at face value instead of obviously they can't always understand our intentions. Right. The heart yeah. behind what we're doing. A lot of times, I mean, that comes to the the root of the communication in our conflict of this is what I read into at service level and them responding with this is my intention but I'm sorry and it really just protects your intimacy when you're walking through conflict so frequently and you're addressing yeah. something as simple as an eye roll or a sigh that might make you feel insecure or mm-hmm. shut you down mm-hmm. when you're addressing those things you're preventing just a buildup and a wall building between the two of you because if intimacy is into me you see you're practicing healthy intimacy with your closest people. That's what it sounds like to me is just a continual kind of pursuit of one another and a continual pursuit of intimacy within your relationships with your family, which is really, really rare, I feel like. So what motivates you to pursue that with your family? Part of it is my personality. (laughs) Yeah, Peace can be an idol for me, I think, a little bit sometimes. Um and that's been something Avery and I've had to walk through a lot this week is because I am quick to like, I want to get to the bottom of every little conflict. Oh man, that's the way I am. <laughs> and Brooks is like, honey, calm down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm like, if we don't fix it now, it's going to turn into something bigger. And like, yes. Who knows? Yeah. And I think Avery's personality is definitely one to be like, let's sweep it under the rug. Like it's good. It's going to blow over. This is small, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's balance between the two for sure. No need to make a mountain out of a molehole. But at the same time, like you were saying, being diligent in pursuing intimacy in the little things. So what are some of the things that your parents did with you guys that you want to model when you have a family of your own? Honestly, so many for me, but a couple things that come to mind. First of all, I think that they were really diligent in the small things in our lives. Like it it would be very small reasons. I mean, sometimes like an eye roll or a sigh Mm -hmm. that we, you know, 15 minutes of work for, and it was being diligent and being respectful and, um, you know, following through with our word or line or little things like that. But I know for me personally, something, uh, 
that I experienced from their parenting is even though they were super diligent and maybe quote unquote strict in the little things, they were the most grace giving about the big things. Um, like I got in trouble a ton in middle school and high school, like in school suspension, regular suspended from school. Are you serious? I am. I am dead serious. My parents, and I'm convinced it's because our parents prayed that we would get in trouble, that we would get caught in ways we were being deceptive or the ways we were, you know, not being obedient. And man, that was answered. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I was caught in like every, every little thing, you know, and a lot of times what it came back to was peer pressure. And I had to really learn, okay, Hayden, are you going to be able to stand on an island even when it feels really lonely? And I remember so many times in high school when I kind of finally started to get that picture, my mom reminded me of like, Jesus brings people through the desert before he used them in big ways. And if you're not going to be submitting yourself to peer pressure, high school is going to feel like a desert. Yeah. But that's okay. Totally. I just hope, I don't know if there's any high schoolers listening to this, but I'm like, listen to that and hear that and be encouraged if you feel like you're isolated right now. Feels like a desert. And if you're doing it right, I think a lot of times it will. (laughs) I can see how if I would have been doing that right, it would have felt that way. Yeah. I mean, I remember coming home one time when I got suspended from school for a day for something, you know, of course, so, so dumb. And so not being willing to be confident enough in myself to stand up to wanting just people to like me. And my mom and dad just like showering me with the most amount of grace. And like, I think they knew in those big times, you've served your, you know, you've served your punishment, like you're getting in trouble at school, and you feel the guilt of this, and you feel the weight of your sin. And all you need right now is open arms from us. And I think for some reason, a lot of times it's really easy for parents to switch those things, and, and they forget to be diligent in the small things, yet they they focus on the big things. Totally. And it's like, okay, well, you got suspended from school, well, you're also grounded for a month yeah. And that's that's the time where they like you really need your parents love and grace the most. That's a really big thing and definitely created intimacy in our relationships because I could then be better at my sin or Satan or school and my parents were the ones who were there to hold me. <laughs> and then secondly, I think that everything was a conversation. My parents didn't give us phones until we were 16 years old, which I think technology is going to be a whole nother fight for parents. Right. In regards to the intimacy with their children, they would counsel us through everything, I guess. Everything was a conversation, I think, is one of the key things that I want to carry on. And that did really cultivate intimacy because then I didn't see my parents as the bad guy. Right. Um, It was like, oh, they're like, "Let, let me explain this to you from a logical perspective. Let me explain this to you from a spiritual perspective. And let me explain this to you from like, you know, a long term, why the, why we think this is best for you perspective. And so even things down to like dating, they were like, hey, this is what we did. This is what we would advise. This is what the Lord says of, you know, our purity and what he says for us to date. And so it's funny because I look back and I don't know if it's just my personality, but in middle school and high school, like if somebody tried to make fun of me for not dating, I would basically give the spiel that my parents gave. That is awesome. <laughs> I would be like, well, why are you dating? come on like this is better like i just proved it to you logically (laughs) so how many people did you get to break up with their boyfriends oh oh gosh i don't know um (laughs) but at least i know some people would you know most people would then be like oh gosh that actually makes so much sense like yeah totally but i think number one like cultivates intimacy but also helps kids to like 
stand firm, you know, in the decisions of their parents and they're not seeing it as like, oh gosh, you're just trying to limit me. But it's like, oh, okay, like you're on my side and I want to follow this because I see what you're doing and I want to operate out of the way that you're trying to protect me and love me. I haven't ever parented an older child, but Hadley and I do have these conversations and she asks me all the time, why mama? Yeah. Seeking to understand why there are certain rules in place and it's just a really good word. And I'm wondering why we get away from having an open, honest conversation about things as opposed to just shutting our kids down. I remember talking or asking, talking to my parents through this the other day. And I remember one thing I was thinking about is it's probably easy to just get lazy. Yeah, just exhausted probably. Yeah, just tired more than anything. I can see that. We're in the question phase right now. So I can only imagine like with one, it's manageable. But when you have five, I can't imagine how exhausting that must have been. Yeah, because it really did. I think about how much time it took for my parents to really sit down and talk with us through everything, you know, and I think my dad, you know, in the summers, it's like my dad would get back from crazy day at camp all day on his feet all day. And my mom is probably whatever, maybe leaving a Bible study or meeting with women. And then they had to sit down and have an hour or two long conversation with your child through maybe through tears, you know, about this out of the other. Yeah, that really takes like diligence and hard work from a parent to continue to do that and time and time again with each kid. Y'all, I have had the opportunity to connect with so many of you guys on social media, which I'm super grateful for. But I know that there are lots more of you out there listening. I want to fill your ears with things that are relevant to your life stage, your circumstances, and your values. So I need to know you. It would be huge if you would fill out the survey in the show notes that will literally take you less than one minute. You also have a chance to win one of my favorite, favorite resources, a She Reads Truth Bible, if you do it before midnight tonight, August the 28th. So get on it. Your information will not be shared with outside companies. Just hop over to the link in the show notes and do so right now as you finish the interview. Thanks so much for a minute of your time. Now, back to the show. So you mentioned one of the things I actually was wanting to talk with you about, your relationship with your mom. Did you realize that she was engaging in ministry when she was also ministering to you guys as her children? A lot of times, no. I mean, definitely not until I was older. I mean, I knew we always had people around and over and I loved it, you know, like I'm, I was just, whether I was born a people person or whether it was nature versus nurture, who knows, (laughs) but so many people in our house since ever since I was born. And so I just think I saw it as a part of our lives and I didn't realize until in high school, I was like, wow, like we, our door really is constantly revolving with people coming in, whether it be just one woman or whether it be a Bible study of people. But it was definitely something that she brought us along in always. Yeah, and she would like have us do little like questionnaires and st- or like Q and A's with her Bible study, and just like really believed in us to enable us to join her in that, which I think was really huge. You're partnering with her in ministry. What did boundaries look like for you guys, and what do they look like now as you're maturing and growing older? Okay, can you expand on boundaries? <laughs> yeah, when I'm talking with other women, they feel like their mom is trying to mother them past the point that they're comfortable with telling them what to do or maybe even expecting things of them that you know maybe 
inappropriate for their season. Yeah. I'm just curious. Do Is that even a conversation that you guys have or is it something that happens kind of organically where your mom's just empowered you to make more decisions as you've gotten older? Or I think a lot of it probably has to do with decision making. You feeling empowered to make decisions versus you being told what to do. Yeah, I do think it definitely happens more organically. Um, my, my, you know, clarifying question probably led to that. Um, because number one, I mean, I think it's, she does an incredible job. She definitely had a very big focus on us being very capable yeah. uh, on the things that she just taught us to do and empowered us to do. And so it then led to like, like I always say, like they did really hard work for 18 years and then kind of said, go, you know, we, we trust mm. the work we've done, fly the coop. And I really think that's the way it should be. Um, and I think one thing that I see in mother and daughter relationships that hinder that a lot is a mom being too much of a slave to their daughter's opinion. Yeah. I think would be a good way to say it. And so they really try to push the whole best friend thing too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so my mom never really like my mom and I weren't best friends until I went to college. And I think it was appropriately so, Hmm. you know, in high school, there's all these girls like my mom is just my best friend. And, you know, they're going to do this, that and the other together. And the mom like wants the daughter to tell them everything. And it's it's almost inappropriate for that age to some degree. Like, I think you lose. I think a mom loses the respect of a daughter when they just desire for them to tell them everything, you know, or, yeah. or play this best friend role. And it's like, okay, there's definitely friends in your daughter's life who are designed for that role. But it really, until you go to college, I think, you know, we really still need a mother as an authority, you know, right. and as someone that we respect and take counsel from. And it's not a whole lot of our choice at that point. It's like, yeah. we should definitely still be training. And so I felt like my mom and I definitely had pretty healthy boundaries and there were a lot of times I didn't like my mom. I mean, I, I think yeah. I would turn the eyes at the age of 12 or 13 and, and said, I want to be nothing like you. Wow. Um, that's horrible. And I like hate admitting it. That's so encouraging for me to hear, though, because honestly, the temptation to want to be liked by your kid is so strong. Like, oh, I'm I like, oh, imagine. I want Hadley to be my best. I want her to want to be my yeah. best friend. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Talk about a lonely, isolating place. I guess Seriously. high school prepares you. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I mean, you... Motherhood is, I think motherhood is, is very lonely for a long time based on what I've seen my mom walk through. And there's been times where we have probably all been mad at her and maybe even teaming up against her which is horrible. But yeah, I just think that my, I think my view was always so limited of why she was doing what she was doing. And yet I probably thought it was, it was not limited at all. <laughs> right. Oh man, your narcissistic <laughs> self in high school. Yes. In high school. We're like, I understand everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Come on. I could parent you guys like get it together. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> so I think college has really made for a super healthy transition from that. And I, like would now consider my parents and my best friends and enjoy time with them, but also like can definitely often go a week or two without calling my mom at college. That's what I'm talking about. Boundaries. That's the way. Yes. Yeah. So there's, and I think, I do think it's different for every mother daughter relationship. Totally. So what does it look like now that you're in college and that you're, you know, doing all kinds of different stuff for you to continue to pursue relationship with your, with your siblings and with your parents? That's a good question. I don't think I've good, done a good job of it with Austin. <laughs> so um, still learning, still learning about that. I think guy-girl relation, you know, brother-sister relationship. 
And you're younger too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know this because I'm an older sibling, but I've noticed with Brooks, he is older and the younger siblings have a harder time initiating with him sometimes, I think just because of the role of an older brother. I think that's definitely been a part of it. And uh, we definitely went to very different schools. Um, And so that's, I guess that's the relationship I, I speak most of when I say it's hard to see, it's hard to allow your siblings and your life to mature in different ways. Yeah. We went to Wheaton. It's like, you know, North yes. is definitely more liberal and smaller Christian school. And I went to Southern, big SEC, yeah. Arkansas. And so we definitely just matured in different ways. And we, I think, grew closer to, you know, different characteristics of the Lord that are both incredible. I think sometimes that can be like, like we said, even, even from in high school, like in my narrow mindedness, um, it can like I can allow it to hinder our relationship. Yeah. And so I think that's for sure a work in progress and just learning to like be so supportive of where he's headed and what he's doing, even if it's not what I'm going to do. Right. And that's like just this weird balance. How do I pursue my relationship with my parents? I think it comes pretty naturally now because I really, they're kind of, two of my primary wise counselors in my life calling them come comes naturally and and probably with pretty organic boundaries of ever so often and just plays itself out yeah definitely just plays itself out and I think being so family oriented for 18 years and and then really fully releasing us to fly the coop like yeah. they never you know I, I never have to let them know if I'm like taking a weekend trip somewhere like some of my friends be like oh man like my parents said I can't go this or that place this weekend. And I'm like, my parents don't even know I'm going there. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I think they were just kind of like, you know what? You go, we trust you, we've trained you. And that's what's really allowed it to to not be like too dependent at this point in my life or things like that. And when I'm home, I'm, you know, feel like I'm really fully with them. And that is so cool. What I'm hearing you say is that a lot of this stuff happened when you were little and that that enabled them to really just have kind of a more free relationship with you now that you're older which is really cool definitely a lot of people have to do a lot more work on the back end yeah another thought I just had in regards to that is number one I think that like early on well really always probably through like middle school and then into high school is the most is like it takes a lot of sacrifice on both parents and kids and to emphasize like family and emphasize time in the home I mean yeah I said no to playing a lot of club sports because it was like you know what we would be pulled in five different directions every single weekend if we said yes to that and so it was like you're gonna say no and you know emphasis on family dinners almost every single night I mean definitely varied with with high school sports just through school but it took sacrifice on our part and it took them being like you know what as much as you want to go spend the night at your friend's house we're gonna you know, protect this family night. And it's really a lot of protection on the parents' part to family with like a little give and a little take, teaching us that trust is earned and then preparing us to fully go through that trust that was earned. Like it was like, all right, we're going to give you privileges here. And if you break them, they're going to be taken away. And and really training us to like steward and be responsible with that trust in a healthy adult way, you know? We definitely need a part two to the podcast for the middle <laughs> age years because I'm like, whoa, I can't even imagine what that would look like 
Right now, uh, Trust looks like leaving Hadley with crayons at the table. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing about y'all's relationship. I think you guys are such a cool family. And when I think about a family that I would love to emulate, it is your family. And so I'm just really grateful for the influence that you and your parents have had. So I'm really grateful for you letting us, and I speak for, I think, others who probably do the same as me, just kind of peek into your life and see what it looks like and, you know, just prayerfully exercise some of the things that we've learned from you guys over the years. So thank you so much. And I'd love to hear really quick, just if you have any recommendations for anybody who's wanting to develop better relationships with their parents or siblings, and this could be a resource or a podcast or a conference or even just an experience like what you're saying with going on trips with their mom. My only recommendation I think would be to serve, <laughs> which um, is, is not a podcast or a, or a book or anything. It's not a quick fix. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a quick fix. But I think in, for me, that was one of the most valuable lessons that I learned from my parents and that I've primarily only implemented in Avery and I's relationship in just seasons of being, you know, angry at everything like Satan enjoys to make us <laughs> in our relationships that like serving when I don't want to has been the absolute most powerful tool. Mm. Um, and whatever that looks like, I mean, there was a season where it looked like writing letters every day because it's something Avery loves or making breakfast every day for a period of time or whatever it is. But I think serving when you don't want to serving someone when you don't want to is like, the most powerful thing to uh, strengthen relationships. I love that. That just reeks of Jesus too. Serving. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, tell me what are three of your simple joys, maybe three ways in which if someone wants to serve Hayden Lingemeyer, they could <laughs> <laughs> take note. Three simple joys. Okay. I don't know if I, I took it the same way as if someone wants to serve me. No, but I'm teasing. My, <laughs> my simple joy today is coffee with coconut oil blended. Oh, yum. Blended. Yes. It's totally frothy and great, especially for those of us who have dairy issues like myself. I I should have dairy issues. I eat too much cheese. It's my weakness. Anyways, I think think three simple joys are cooking. I love to cook. Really? That's so cool. Terrible at baking, but I love to cook. No wonder you want to get in your own house. You don't don't (laughs) need Chef John. You don't even need that guy, which by the way, he's the Kappa house. He used to be the Kappa house chef. So there's legends about him. (laughs) Um, So you enjoy cooking. That's awesome. I love cooking. Um, I love traveling, like just getting up and going. I mean, any capacity of traveling. I love it which probably ties into the third thing I thought of was I love anything new, which is broad, but I love change. I love new relationships, new experiences, new clothes, anything new. I love. Well, okay. Before we go, I'd love to hear who in your life has had the biggest influence on your own journey with Jesus since this is the journey women podcast. (laughs) So I thought of, and maybe low hanging fruit because of what we've been talking about, but my parents, and I say it, I say them both because it's really them as a whole that has had the biggest impact on me and the way that I've seen my mom pursue healing, long-term healing over, you know, 21 years and the way that I've seen my dad steadfastly love my mom through that has just been the most unique and long-suffering picture of Jesus and his grace in my life. So them as a whole, for sure. 
I wasn't expecting a conversation on family dynamics to disciple me in the ways of basic human communication, but it did. I loved Hayden's encouragement to be diligent in the little things, especially in our interactions with our closest people. If you'd like to connect with Hayden, you can find her information on the show notes at www.hunterbelis.com. On next week's episode, we'll be chatting about the most important topic of all, my personal favorite, the gospel. You don't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe to the Journey Women podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a review. Leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend is absolutely the most helpful thing you can do to support the Journey Women podcast besides prayer, which I also welcome in abundance. Thank you guys so much for all of your love and support. I cannot wait to be with you here next Monday. Have a great week.